Yesterday, I went up to see Pete in Atlanta for the day. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was very nice. We uh, we had a cool day, and I consumed 12,000 calories at Rumi's, my favorite restaurant. I was reminiscing about the day. Last time I was there, I sold my Bitcoin. He was like, right over there. It was right in that seat. Right. Did you walk out with a ranch this time? That's right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just walked out with like a belly that felt like I swallowed two cinder blocks. But anyway, what I wanted to say is... Pete has a very interesting story about how he got started. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it because I've never fully heard the full story. He doesn't want to talk about it because he thinks it's like, you know, when I was your age, I ate glass for breakfast and walked 15 miles in snow and all that. But it was a really made me proud, made me super proud of you, Pete, the 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 things really? that he did to start. Yeah. It's cool. So we have to do that. Yeah, I uh, went through, honestly, guys, we had some car time. I actually picked him up at the airport and there was another gentleman with us. Uh, and so I was kind of going over like the whole <laughs> from dental school to kind of now and like the bumps and bruises and the the things that you did. And and so Craig's like, this is fascinating. We need to tell the story. I'm like, yeah, no one really wants to hear that. Like, so I, good, guys. I grinded it. Right. And and so he's like, why have you never told this? I was like, because I don't I don't no one cares about my dumbass life. Right. No, I disagree, by the way. I think that <laughs> when you realize that, like, I had no idea, like his first job, he's like, I'll work for free. You know, I just want to be a part of this. You told then, that story. Yeah. I guess maybe more mastermind. I think what I went through, Dwight, is no, never the to the pod. Never to the context from that to then, then like the journey through, right? And then location and then there's like ups and downs and highs and lows and, you know, embezzlement and partner breakup partners. and new partners and new location, you know, all the whole things. And so Greg, Craig was just like, never heard it all in, in continuum, I guess if we would say yeah it was really cool it was really cool so, so maybe we'll, yeah. do, we'll do a bumps and bruises and scars podcast uh, that's like a that's like a 10-part mini series yeah, yeah it's, it's long it's long like <laughs> train will be the first quarter of 2024 why will be the second quarter i might know i was looking at i was actually I looking at our subscribers i was actually looking at i think that's i was looking at jesse itzler's pod sorry post this morning about like he did on instagram basically saying like his biggest business failure Right. And of course, whenever you see stuff like that, you're like, what were mine? And you, you know, and Craig, to your point, you're thinking like, that would be a long time because we talk about like, it's, you know, especially on Instagram and social and at summits and stuff, we talk about like, look at what we did. Look at all yeah. the successes. Look at the vacation I'm going on. Look how much better my life is. Right. And it's really like, and I loved how Jesse gets real in, you know, authentic, um, gotten to know him really well. Like we, we probably spent about 50 hours together this is in June. Our kids were on the same baseball all-star travel team so he and i were just like sitting there watching baseball practices and yeah, all summer and so it was hey, really so cool what was his biggest business move was it mar marrying sarah <laughs> <laughs> i mean sarah, that, for those that don't know that's uh sarah from spank sarah blakely is that who it is Blake. yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't a bad move right no but, definitely uh, not a no, bad move. but he but you know but divorcing her oh yeah, exactly. but y'all he sold marquee jet and Zika water to Coke. Like, so it's not like right. he's like, right, he has, he, he has his own chops. Like he was, no, I know, but rich, rich before Sarah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, sure. so anyway, but he's, he's got a great business mind and great philosophy on family and, and balance and stuff. And it's probably easy when, when, you know, you've reached that crescendo of life, but anyway, you selling right, Peter. Yes. So speaking of selling, we are going to go through an actual LOI today. 
this is going to be and i i don't want this to be i'm going to kind of present because i it's in my possession i'm going to put it up on the screen but i do not want it to be just me sitting there talking about stuff i want you guys to offer your own context craig you and i have gone through processes of where we've had private equity and people have come to us unsolicited so we've been hit up a number of times we are all in agreement that we're kind of in the the camp of like it doesn't make sense to sell and so we're not i'm not saying we're in camp never sell but I'm a firm believer in, in a way to really educate yourself in the business acumen is to go through this process, right? Learn about the vernacular, learn about the vernacular, learn about the process, learn about the upside, really dig in. And, and Craig, like our conversation yesterday at Rumi's, I was like, the true valuation to find out what your practice is worth is maybe go through this process if, if, if private equity is interested in you or a DSO is interested in you. The value of what your practice is worth isn't based on a, on a valuation from a CPA firm. That's complete dog shit valuations. They're always 85% of top line revenue because that's what a bank is willing to pay, sub $1 million. So I will, uh, will kind of jump into this one. Um, and just for the audience understanding, an LOI is a letter of intent. It's the first step of an offer. So it's like, hey, it's a formal, I mean, it's really just an email typically, but it's 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 a formal step in the sale of anything or the intent to buy something. And I want to make a comment. I think it's kind of like just, you know, whether you're prepping a crown or whether you're trying to go through, you know, whatever it is that you're learning to do, the more of these you go through, the more mm -hmm. prepared you are when it faces you too. And I think... What I like about this, this is as practical as it gets. I mean, if you're listening on audio, this is a big one where maybe pulling it up on YouTube can make a bigger difference because, you know, when Pete first said, Hey, I've got my hands on this, let's try. And he's got maybe a little bit more information than what is shown on there, knowing about that. That's fine. But the bigger purpose here is, is I would love to do as many of these as we can, mm -hmm. because I think it serves our industry. Like a case study, Dwight, right? Yeah. And just go, go and go, you know. Three quarters of law school is case studies. You're learning what the mm -hmm. law has been established Great and how point. it works so that you can then go argue what has already been historically established. And I think it's really relatively important because in particular, COVID changed a lot of the laws mm -hmm. when it comes to the way we do things now, how things are appraised, how things are bought and sold. So a lot of old case law is not relevant because there's new ways of doing things, new ways to evaluate things. So this is why I do like this one. It's it's a good evaluation to start on and then future things to look at. So let's let's go. Craig, through. I like how you kind of stopped and said LOI because we we come with an expectation, guys, that you know, we assume that people know things and that's no there's no shame in that. But I think <clears throat> I want to really slow us down and really kind of over explain some of these things. A lot of times when you're talking to people, you've you've done this, you'll talk you'll talk to someone about this and they'll kind of shake their head and and you're and you're like, they have no idea. They're just shaking yeah. their head to like just set. So let's, let's kind of really bring value and kind of educate this, the space. The skill here is the process and the mm -hmm. familiarization with all of it. And, and what you start to realize that these deals, the more you look at, the more you see these similarities in them and that there are nuances that are different as time goes on, like Dwight's alluding to, but the structure of the deals, many of them are very, very similar. Very similar. And, and I would actually agree that they're very similar. And, and there's, there's some that you have to be they're similar in that they're snowflakes, meaning they're all going to have different little permutations, but you're right, Trey, 80% of them are probably tracking the same direction. Yeah. So the um, actual, the actual familiarization with that process is what's going to get you into the idea of what this means. And this is so new to so many people because like Pete, what you said, you're used to selling at a percent of last year's revenue. Yep. So, okay. 
so obviously this is uh the names are going to be protected in this and like we said this mindset comes from the fact that you should only really sell or be in, in a position to sell or encouraging these offers if you're in a position of strength right we've always said that you never never kind of like surrender and go to the go to the negotiation table come from a position of strength if you're in the market to do this uh, we obviously have said we don't think you should right now but you will feel better in your life and your business by either going by the strategic partnership or the amount of liquidity event that's in it for you uh, it's just it's just a whole lot of lot of stuff here so and also anyways. sometimes guys <clears throat> sometimes it's like the net worth analysis the offer is material it, it's materializing what your practice is worth and then from that you plug it in like oh wow okay i didn't realize that and then you can you know plug that in so uh you know sometimes though too pete just to kind of you know add on to what you just said some of us don't have i've gone to the table you know from a position of weakness before because sometimes you, you have to For there sure. might be a situation where somebody's sick or something's going down and you know, it is what it is. It's helpful no, for no matter what your situation is. But but would you agree you were more vulnerable in that situation? Oh, yeah. Though, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. It's like, look, just identify. And you're right. Life happens. Tragedy happens. Things yeah, happen. happen yeah. But just identify that, like, you're negotiating from a position of weakness, which is for probably sure. not going to behoove you. For sure. That's all. All right. So this is, again, we'll go into it. These are kind of the first steps in, in this LOI where they're talking about they're saying the company, right, which is the practice, and then the DPO, which is the DSO. And basically saying, you know, basically here's the, this is where they're kind of selling you, right? The key strategic areas, an overview of, of the process. You guys have had a chance to process some of this. Do you have any, any insider feedback on, on this specific thing? Would you agree this is where they're trying to kind of say like, hey, we're the, this is why we're the right fit for you? The funny thing is, is how common these are. Like we have a history of successfully integrating your business development activity. And through our, you know, we believe in clinical autonomy for our doctor and patient. It's like so much of this is literally like just, cut. just templated shit, right? right. Like who it's, does it? Who doesn't obvious. say that? We believe in the highest clinical care. Have you ever seen someone who doesn't say that? And then you see that, the, yeah. you know, like of course, we, I, we, yeah. we strong. The elevator pitch. This is the, the elevator. elevator pitch of the culture fit. Right. The culture fit. And I, why we are best. And there's also the side of like, why to sell, right? To be bigger, to do something bigger than yourself, to right. be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, you know, they're right. It's not a lie. I mean, clearly that's a component, but do they actually follow through with being the ethical person? Like, you know, that's the other component, clearly. But there's a lot of doctors who would read this and be like, yeah, I, I can see that, but you're going to get this. This is boilerplate. Yes. But when you don't realize it's boilerplate until you have like two or three in your possession. So yeah. this one, Acme, you're like, oh my God, Acme DSO is amazing. Look at this. They believe in clinical autonomy for our doctors and we're going to mm -hmm. join forces together and make it better and stronger together. So if you don't see multiples, you're like, wow, Acme's a badass. Yeah, but most and of us who have group practices might have some template like this that we provide to all our existing associates to become partners and grow with us too. So it's like, it's boilerplate, but it is who we are. We think like in group practice, I think I'm better together than I am alone. I just believe that. And right, but it's piece. it's at the end of the day, and I think this this deserves to be mentioned right here at the beginning, is Acme in this case is is backed by a private equi equity firm. Correct. And private equity has demands on the return on their investment that are different than Dwight Trey or Pete does. You know, you guys are making decisions for a timeline that might be three or five or seven years or maybe a legacy, a ten year time period. These people are not doing that. These people are strictly about and 
pleasing their investors. Their boss is their investor. And you work for them and they work for their investors. So by vicariously, you work for their investor. Yeah, you work for the LP. You're saying the LPs versus the limited partner. Yeah. Yeah. They're the general partner and limited partners. The interesting thing that I will bring up is just to start kind of breaking down some definitions, right? They're saying through a partnership with this DPO, Dr. X will play a role in the business. And it's basically saying they're selling themselves again here. Our track record is we are in the top 1% of private equity returns at 7.6x MOIC. Craig, you want to break down MOIC? Yeah, it's just money on invested capital. Multiple. Multiple on invested capital. Multiple on invested capital. Yeah. Multiple on invested capital. Sorry. Yeah, which basically means that. So I should stop talking from now on. No, no. I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's basically saying like that, you know, for every $1 you put in, they kind of would have returned seven dollars and 60 cents right so how yeah. do you i mean that's just the biggest thing like so so that's really a pitch for the second bite it, so yes exactly so actually second and third we're going to get to that slide we're going to get okay, to that but, slide but just but, put a but more thing, like one thing one thing i think in this industry that is that i think a lot of people start getting unclear on too is dumbing this even farther down dpo versus dso yeah it's you just hear that you hear semantics. that a lot and Throw DLO in there through the dental leadership organization in there. Yeah, that sounds even better. Or, or the your, DD or the DDSO. No, there you go. We crushed that one on live on uh, Instagram. So go through it, Trace. For the nature, playing. I mean, for for the nature of what we're talking about here, those are things that you essentially they're essentially the same thing. But they sound so much better. I'd rather work for a DLO than a oh, DSO. Man, I would rather have a DPO, a partnership yeah. organization. A partnership organization, really. I sure as shit don't really want to work for a churches it up. I don't want to work for a sort a dental service organization. What about a DKAO, a dental kick-ass organization? Mm, I, like that, I want that one. I want that one too. All right, I'll trade tra- tra- good point for that. They're, they're just getting away from the nasty, you know, no. feel that comes from a DSO because it's been marred by the market and society. That's all. It's just in the right. industry. So okay, go on. All right. This is what I would call the money shot. <laughs> Right. So this is where they're saying at the top of this one, this is the valuation good size practice. Yeah. The good size practice valuation proposal overview. We value your practice X practice at total enterprise value. And this one is a 32 and a half million dollar enterprise value. That's the hook, right? You see that and you can't unsee that if, if you're <laughs> the doctor, right? But it only gets worse from there. What are you laughing at? That's just funny. It's like, you see that you're like, can I ring the bell? Yeah, it's like you can't unring that. You can't unring it, right? And but yes, but then right. when you start, this is this yeah. is the whole purpose. But these are also doing. the letters that you get. You get these letters like we'll pay you twenty five times. Top well, line no, but this is an L, but this is a term sheet, and so term sheets right. are different than than right. emails still, and LOIs. The, the details of are you are you aware of multiple that is or what? Yeah, this was grade? about a ten. This was about a ten. So this practice had about a three point six million dollar EBITDA. Okay, at the time that helps. Thank you. It's like a nine then or less than a nine. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, Ish. it's not, it's not crazy like the ones we heard about, those astronomical ones, but it's a healthy. And like a nine, nine and a half, 10 is, is a healthy, is healthy in any market. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So I then agree. it breaks down and says, okay, here's the enterprise value. So how do they, how do you get to the enterprise value is the aggregation of all the little constituents that we're about to talk about. So basically what they're offering here is, okay, it's worth 32 and a half in our eyes. We'll give you 18 million cash at close. 12 and a half million in equity in a go forward DSO, basically stock. Okay. But it uh-huh. breaks down that further, breaks down that further, Dwight. I know where you're going. It's saying 
half of that, half of that 12 and a half million, which would be 6.25 is in preferred equity. Preferred equity, as we know, as you all know, is a bond. That's it. It's not equity in the hold co going forward. That's the rollover preferred C. That's a promissory note. Exactly. Now you do, now you do get paid on that first, but it's essentially just a 7% bond. It's owner financing is the only way to put it down. Correct. Yeah. It's a, Correct. No, it's, like, it's true. It's like paycheck advance. Yeah. So we're basically saying, hey, we're going to give you this money to make this this the top number look sexy, but it's just a bond on the money that you'll get paid when we have our liquidity event, meaning when we buy your practice and then we roll into that second bite, that's when you'll get your money with interest. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. The common equity, the rollover equity, the preferred C, that's where you want to fight for everything if you're going to be doing that if you believe in the thesis of the dso or dpo or dlpo or whatever it is you believe that they're going to the moon you want to fight for as much common equity as possible so this is this is what's called the shuffle that private equity companies use because dentists have no idea what the hell all this means right which is why we're breaking it down there's yeah. So what I laugh about the, you know, look at this situation and to the average consumer, if I give you a multiple choice and you're a dentist and you prep MODs and crowns every day, and I look at, and I tell you, Hey, how do you want your money in preferred a equity or in rollover preferred C common equity? Mm-hmm. It's like saying Commonwealth. <laughs> are you part yeah. of the Commonwealth? Or are you part of the preferred a equity? Right? Well, let preferred. me be clear. Preferred a equity is basically a promissory note that's due to you, paid to you over time. Correct. And it's it's it has no upside. Like it is a notes payable to you. You get paid on it. It is still in capital. There's no gain. multiple on that money is what you're saying. Do I Correct. No upside, right? You There's get the no percentage upside. of interest and that's it. That's it. Now the second component, the preferred C common sad sounding one, is the <laughs> one where it has actual <laughs> potential upside for what we call a second bite at the apple, which we'll go into in a little bit. But this is why they call this, and a lot of private equity groups call this the shuffle, where they find a way to make it look nicer than it is, while at the same time, making sure that they're limiting your bigger picture success in the long run um, Mm -hmm. and what you're gonna get in that second bite of the apple. So I just wanna make that comment right off the bat because whatever they label it, preferred gold equity, preferred silver like that's white would you agree though that this this preferred is their arbitrage oh part of it it's exactly that's the game more preferred equity that means the that means the less common they give up which means if if we're gonna if we're gonna take a note on this for seven percent but we're gonna we're gonna make a hundred percent on that money that's a good arbitrage yeah not to mention that they're able to they're, they're, they're actually able to take with their line of credits. We're talking about private equity. They're able, they're, they're literally going to borrow the money to buy your practice on the percentage that they have to pay. So the truth is, is they're just doubling down on the wins on making this happen. And so in reality, if they just say, great, this is your preferred equity, you get this paid out, you know, it's owner financing and the rest, we'll see what comes of it. Right. Right. I mean, is it safe to say, gentlemen, that at the end of the day, it could be stipulated if things don't go well, that you could have to walk with the 18 million. In other words, the other half mm. is not guaranteed to you. 
there's no guarantee in that. Yeah, other so what half. you're saying, Craig, is basically the first number that we said is the only thing that's guaranteed in this instance, in this example, even though that was valued at $32 million, $32.5 million, you could potentially only ever see that 18. And are you okay right. with that first number? Because the DSO could go to shit. It could be run by a bunch of yahoos. It could all that quote unquote stock could become a penny stock. You could become worthless. They're basically taking the keys to your to your equity and, and you have no control over the directive, the direction of this. So you are right, Craig. That's why your diligence in this is really important. Like, what have you done? What's your track record? Going back to that first page, right? You want to find someone who's like, this is our first time trying this. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, ooh, I'll take less equity, please. More yeah. cash at close. And you better, you better believe it. that that first cash at close is what you're willing to get. In totality. At a maximum, correct. In totality, everything else. And, and we can, I'm sure we'll touch on this later. Uh, not a good time now, but the taxes that are involved in that are something you have to think of too. Well, I'm going to break that defined. down. I'm going to break that down, Drake. One thing on the preferred stock that, that I would bring up too, that if you're listening to this or looking at this, this sheet exactly, you may get another deal where the same thing is called something different than preferred A equity. This is defined by the company and the deal. So well, you need to know what it the is. Private equity. There is some of this. It's pretty consistent elsewhere, but I'm with you in that I've heard like five different names for the same exact thing. Yes. It's just the, la so the language around it is what really matters. You just want to make sure that whatever that whatever is labeled on this, you know what that is defined as. One one way to maybe uh, you know unravel that mystery is to ask a simple question: Is are are my shares in the go forward DSO parapasu with y'all shares? Like, wouldn't that distill it down to say like, do I ride equally to the to the common stock of the partners that are in this? So here uh, it's not. Here it's no, definitely. here it's not. I know, but couldn't couldn't yeah. that be a way to unravel the mystery of how what they're calling what or not necessarily? Yes. The ultimate goal would be to stop and say, can I handhold with the private equity? Can we yeah, be so, at the same level? So that's here, the definition you're looking for, though. That's what I'm getting at is that's right. what that's the kind you of you look at another one and you may see a subtle change in what it's actually called. All right, pause for a sec. Pause for a sec. I would actually push back a little bit, Trey, that these are these are pretty industry standard terminology, right? It's common versus preferred. Sure. I get that. Okay. But we're talking so, about A, C, yeah. all the other random yes. I've heard it, a lot more of. Yeah. Yes. It's it's probably designed when it gets technical, just like any contract we've ever seen. When it starts to get technical and clunky, it's probably not in your benefit. Yep. Okay. So that's where you would want to dig in and find what is what is the stipulation pref a pref c in general here's a little diagram if you're watching on youtube i found it's ownership you so this breaks down the common stock versus preferred ownership common stock you actually have ownership preferred stock you have no ownership cash flows are less predictable with with common stock they are more predictable with preferred because again it's that sure it's that bond voting rights you have voting rights with common stock you do not have them with preferred Board representation, again, that's something you could fight for potentially if you were the big enough size to be like, I want a board seat. Um, so this is, does this help fixed dividend? There's no fixed dividend with common stock, but of course there is with preferred. So that's a general, um, that's a general breakdown in my, of yeah. kind of just the difference. And you are right, Trey. Look, there's differences in pref A, pref C, things like that. I think that's good. That's okay. Good so let me keep, let's keep going with this. So then we, 
we're going further down. So now we have an $18 million cash to close. We have $12 million of quote unquote stock, which sounds sexy, but we all know that now it's only half of that's a bond and half of that is actually equity in the whole co. And now in this instance, there's a $2 million contingent payment. And so this is what we call holdback or earn out money. And it's, it's basically, it's basically part of the deal, but it's predicated on how in this instance, okay, it's the retention of the dockers in this ecosystem. That's low, actually, the $2 million holdback. It, it, it is low. low. It is low, right? So no, We have a larger clawback. Yeah, yes. But don't worry about the, the dollar amount, Craig, of just what's talked about. In this sure. instance, the contingent payment is usually revenue-based. Agreed? Yes. Yeah, and just, just to kind yes, of... Un- top line, top line revenue-based. Yes, correct. But, but just, to, just to give another Not- layer of context to it, these these people, the D the D K A O, may decide to fire your Morgan or your Erica or your, you know, sure. Meeks, and they may decide to not make know, you hey, use second no, labs. No, Thank no, you. no more diagnostic wax ups, guys. Like, what's that all about? Like, we we can't do that. So, in some ways, you're you're charged with the responsibility to hold the revenues the same, but they may make unilateral decisions to make Great your point. practice fit into Great their point. model. Yeah, the underlying way you got there might be modified highly. So it's not that you're in the locus of control for these decisions. They may force these decisions upon you. So you may have that clawback actually happen. Well, with Um, that, hold on, hold on. I think Pete just made a really, really important point that I think a lot of people do not understand on these deals. And I want to bring it up. And that is, he said, most clawbacks, which I don't actually, I don't read this as a clawback. It's not big enough to be a clawback. I see this as kind of a maintenance clause. It's like a, don't be a schmuck clause, meaning sell. And then everybody walks out on us type Mm -hmm. thing on their side. So it's like, this is kind of that schmuck clause scenario where everybody's looking at it. It's not big enough. And it is on majority of the time. I'm going to say majority because I know we have listeners of all types on this pod. So you've got top line revenue. Why? Because EBITDA is going to vastly change as soon as you get a whole new management company brought in, things are going to change. And you're right, Craig, that they may have access to how you pay payroll because they're getting rid of certain people, all these other things. The goal here is, is that that then transitions to them. And the top line revenue is the most important component of what we're talking about, that you get to maintain the amount of dentistry that's being done and the consistency of the operational flow. It is their job to make it profitable. It, in, yeah, the instance, in the instance where, for example, take away all the equity in the stock, the higher that amount of holdback money, the more incented that potential private equity is to find a way to not pay you. I wonder if that's they'd want to do that, though. No, no. but Because no, they're but part again, of the owners now. At that yeah. point, I'm, not, I'm not painting anyone in a bad box. I'm just saying, Craig, it's just human nature, right? Like yeah. if there's a $3 million carrot that potentially you can or can't go, we're going to probably look for a technicality to not pay you, right? Yeah. And if I was acquiring a practice and I was placing a hold back on a doctor who was telling me they're going to stay for five years and blah, 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 and doing all that, let me be very clear. I'm going to do it on top line revenue because they're second, they're a part of my ecosystem. Their EBITDA is going to go up because a lot right. of the stuff that they're spending money on, they're, I'm not going to need that. That's the arbitrage. Position. That's the arbitrage we're going That's to talk arbitrage. about. That's their arbitrage that they're yeah. going to have in the acquisition. Full stop. Yes. I want to give one disclaimer. And that one disclaimer for other individuals who are listening to this pod who actually do state-based like Medicaid, Medicare, and things to that degree, I think you should know that a lot of those acquisition models, and this happens more in pediatrics, and I've seen it in those deals, it's actually tied to patient visits, not Mm. actual annual 
uh, mm-hmm. top line revenue. So it's tied to patient visits because they know that there are fluctuations in government impacts and things to that degree. So just FYI, some of these deals are built in in that way when you don't have as much control. So I think everybody should know that. So basically the contingent payment can be a number of things. And this one, it was doctor retention of the ecosystem. Usually is revenues. It could be patient visits. It just, it varies, yeah. but it's, it's obviously what is the most important to the private equity at that point, meaning what most important for they feel like they had success in their investment. It's a hedge. And if you, if you bring it down to a single practice too, I've, I've done this a number of times with practices that I've bought, I have contingencies. That's just a basic earnout, And it's a way for me to, I may pay 80% of what my offer was. And then you get the rest in 12 months, 18 months, according to XYZ. So it's a protection. It's a hedge. That's actually the way 100% trade because you want that doctor to, to stay on. And if they bail, then that's that's your that's that's your pain in the ass factor that you have to go find a doctor immediately. And right that 20% is now to the house, if you will. Okay, so continues to go. We're about to get into bites of the apple, but it continues actually to explain things or the assumptions, the considerations. Basically, it talks about Pref A, it talks about Pref C, uh, and it's saying how it's basically the same rate as as their equity. Okay, so here's where here's where people start getting googly eyed when they get yeah, right, and this is this is where you've heard the term bite of the apple, second bite, third bite, and when it does when it works, this is where you can you can really hit a jackpot, but it also like we just illustrated, it's no guarantee, and it's sometimes just you got lucky or you didn't. Okay. So basically this is giving the pro forma of a five-year opportunity, meaning if you say yes today, this is going to be your first bite and it's breaking down. Can you guys see pretty well on, um, on this? I'm going to kind of. Perfect. Yeah, we see perfectly. The okay. whole slide. Yeah, you're good. First bite. So basically it's, it's showing the consideration we just went through. The first bite was the, was all of the constituents, all the components we just talked about just now, right? The cash at close, you can see that 18 million, which they're doing it in thousands, right? So it says 18,000 here, which means it's add three zeros to all these numbers. The the common equity, which is right here in the green circle box, the pref, which is in the pink, and then the and then the stuff going forward. So this is where that they try to make the next look as sexy as possible, the next, the second bite. And there's some assumptions done in here. Have you guys had a chance to look at this? Okay, so this is where they're saying in a scenario where there's three times return on your rollover money, right? Your common equity, here's what you can expect. You could expect, and that's at five years, right? So you bought, you sold today, and in five years, here's what you could expect because we're probably, what they're basically saying is when we go to sell to the bigger private equity, this is going to be your liquidity event of of the of the of the pro rata stock that you have left with us that you invested in Holdco. And so in this instance, it goes from in this model, it goes from 6.25 million, which we illustrated, to 18.75. And that's at a 3x return. They also then take it a step further and say, well, it could be a 4x return. And then they model it this way. It could that six million in five years could turn into 25 additional million. Hey guys, why did they model the cash at close to grow? Uh, that was based on that was based on a yield, Craig, of your capital. Okay, so they've already invested your capital. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For you, yeah. and there's no tax implications. By no the tax. way, it's even better. No tax. Yeah, we don't pay taxes. Sexy, right? In our in this world, we're going over. So it's I sexy, like this right? world. Yeah. Good world. Um, yeah. The pref grows because of it's the bond, 
right? And I'm not sure how the contingent payments grew, but I guess it you, grows. Got, you got the, you got the payment it doubles and it, and it, it doubles. grew too because of and it grew too because of interest. I don't know. So this is where you start looking at and you're like, holy cow, the second bite. What the freak? Right? Do I, what the freak? I could, 70 million? So your enterprise value could go from 32 and a half million in this in the first column to and all you're all someone's gonna look at is going at three, not four, not what's five. This could turn into sixty-nine million dollars. That's the best number I've ever heard, actually. Sixty-nine <laughs> million. Um, and so you get romantic about these. This is where these sheets get people get googly-eyed about it. And and it only it said it only ever gets worse from when you start evaluating this stuff, right? Because in true life, Craig and I have talked to, and as I'm sure you guys have, countless people who it didn't work out exactly the way they thought. And there have been a couple. There's been hey a couple guys, where just, I, I know plenty on both sides of it. Yep. Okay. So you guys know people that have had sales of their dental practices and the second bite was like triple and the third bite and all that. You guys have actually real world experience. Dwight, you're shaking your head. Yes. Absolutely. Trey. Yeah. So Dwight, you mind just 30 second detail of what that looked like for them? I mean, un I could think of three off the top of my head where they were early on enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, I know somebody who's early on enough in Heartland and kept that stock in there. Oh, the stock, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just sold his last batch of stock for a hundred and eight million, and that was like the fifth bite of the apple, sixth bite of the apple. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yes. stock is a great I example mean, of that. Well, it's a I little mean, bit better than I think than these role. It's a little bit more transparent. Well, I think this is what we're gonna. This is what I'm going to say, and I'm going to be very blunt about this and y'all can you or not, but you know, I, there are a lot of millionaires that are made as entrepreneurs and in business, but I, there are not very many billionaires in this world, right? How many are there, Craig? Do you remember? 2,500, I thought. Yeah, like 25, 2,600 billionaires in this world, right? None of them became billionaires without private equity. <laughs> so I want to be very, very blunt that there is not one billionaire on this planet that did not partner with private equity and make that kind of money. But we're not talking about the average dentist. So I do want to lay that out because I do I do think that there is a method and there are some people that are crazy deals, but there's also people we know that won the lottery and people who play it every day, right? So there's, there's a little bit of everything. I just wanna make sure that we understand what we're talking about. There's not one billionaire out there that hasn't played with private equity. And there's a lot of millionaires out there that have made a lot of money and are very satisfied with life running their businesses. Yes, yeah, so there's 3,200 billionaires in 2022, which is a decrease from the year earlier. But when you say there's no billionaires created without private equity, does that mean people that invest in private equity or people that have sold the private equity? Because I think sold, the people sold and partnered with private equity. Yeah, I, I think mean, Elon okay. Musk isn't out there running it all by himself. I yeah, mean, but, on, guys. I think Dwight maybe maybe include the word like with bank lever ridge, right? Like meaning there's been real estate billionaires who have not used private equity. So whatever, yeah, we're I, getting too tangential. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But I hear what you're saying. Like, but making is, money at a large scale is, is the thing that pro It's a totally you. different thing. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that we're understanding that dynamic. But yes, there are several dentists that I know that at some point in time did make that flip. And I also know dentists that I've sat across the table and they've told me the sob story where they mm -hmm. decided, I know a dentist in particular who mm -hmm. took nothing at closing. Yeah, know that guy too. Reinvested everything. Yeah. Do I know that guy as well, guys? And I don't think I so. Think so. I had dinner with him in Vegas. And it collapsed. Yes. 100%. 
and they're back in the game starting new dental practices and doing it. So yes, I mean, like with everything, there's going to be the whole gambit on it. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, I think the interesting, the thing, the takeaway here is, right, because everyone kind of throws around bites of the apple. And they, I think the takeaway is just like, if it works, it can work really well, but there's no guarantee. And, and I think I know, I would probably say from my own evidence, I know probably equal amounts of success stories and equal amounts of the failures like Dwight just alluded to. And so it's a 50, 50 from right. And, and yes. And some of it is based on macroeconomic events that we, you can't predict the COVIDs and, and the downturns and interest rates. Like you just never know. Same with your earnout money, same with your contingent money. You just never know. And I think so, it has a whole lot more to partnership selection. But the game, let me, let me say one last thing. Bites of apples only happen when said private equity group that bought you sells to another private equity group, a different horse. That's that's how it happens. Yes. And and you potentially would have the ability to have a third, which means that 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 new private equity would say, hey, do you want to roll some of your stock or your money into the new one. And so right. like Dwight, you know, like your story was like rolling forward. The guy that just did 108 million, he's had five bites of the apple because there's right. been recapitalization events at every corner. And Correct. that's a, that's a liquidity event. Recapitalization equals liquidity. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I know you guys know this. I'm not school. I'm not no, that's like great. teaching that's you great clarity, but again, I want to make sure that everyone, we slow down and we just assume nothing and we try to, Try to educate as much as possible. That's all. Do you guys want to shed some reality on this this total consideration and return on rollover with the tax implications, or does that come later? It's coming in the yield. Yeah, I'm kind of doing a yield breakdown, right? Where okay. where you start, where you start, like for it's for instance, the doctor in this scenario where the EBITDA, like I said, I think I said it was three and a half million. You say, all right, well, that's probably close to if this was a single operator, it's probably close to what this operator may be making, right? EBITDA is essentially just owner benefit, right? Right. So then you have to, you have to kind of evaluate. All right. Okay. This, so you're going there. I yes. just want to make sure we're going to plug that in. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Yep. Okay. So now it, it takes you, <laughs> it now this one takes you to the partnership 10 year opportunity. So what did we talk about? Uh, second, stop, stop, stop. I, I want to say something. If I was a shareholder on this private equity, this is a basic pro forma. I get it. But if, if they still hold your company longer than five years, I'm a no, pissed off third bite, bud. It's a third bite. Now they've tripped. Yeah, they, they Meaning this third bite is with somebody else. Of course. Right? This okay, is yeah, not, they're not, they're not trying to hide that. They're not hiding that. They're, yeah. That's of course. Basic pro forma. But they're saying, give hey, you the pro forma of the person who buys the company from the person who buys their company. From. Dwight, Correct. it goes like this. Column one, first bite. We bought you. Column two, someone bought us. Column three, someone, someone bought, bought all of them, them and us, right? Might as well go down the fourth bite because then there's aliens that come down and they manufacture gold. But in right? this, wealthy, wealthy aliens. They're it is, it is possible, but I just want to make sure that the deals aren't, aren't, aren't continually structured infinitum by the deal you made today. Those deals will have to change, right? Well, Which of course. Legal but that's why you want to fight for it. If you believe the trajectory is going to be this that you want to fight for as much common, like I said in the beginning, as possible, because that's the only thing in these models that we've that's seen caring. that has been accretive to that's the correct. multiple. Yes. And it remains as capital gains. Yes. Yes. By the way, this very good point, Dwight. Very good point. Hold hey, on. We don't pay attention to that. I don't think anything else matters. It's a stock 
situation, right? So you're paying cap gains, not ordinary income on that. Very good, Dwight. Thank you. And you didn't need any of the cash or clothes to feed or clothe your family. You've just actually reinvested it. You've never had to take a dollar of it out. So when you, you better have it, a side hustle. That just yeah, you have that. Yeah, <laughs> there's literally you not depleted one single dollar. Of We're going to give you this, capital. and you can't touch any of the capital, nor can you touch the interest that, that from this capital. Right, but so the good we're news assuming is we that you rearranged it. We've prearranged an agreement with the IRS that they don't tax you so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were going to prearrange an agreement with Etsy, so you could have a little little side, yeah, a little hustle. side hustle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do that for you. So look, when this is, of course, when you're, when you're, if you were presented with this, you're going to look and this, this page is going to be like, damn, 10 years. And, and the top number you see is $106 million now, right? Potential. And so you can't unsee that regardless of if they're full of shit or if it's just a pie in the sky pro forma, it's like, whoa, it's an attention grabber. No, sure. Of okay. course. Okay. So this just goes through the exact same. I don't want to jump over, but it gives you some assumptions. If you're listening to this, it's basically saying the buckets are growing and it's showing you how granted, like Craig said, it's a little bit, you know, there's some artistic license going on in here, but, uh, all right. But it is, and, it is a grander illustration. I know with the mastermind, we're just coming off of financial freedom and, and wealth building. It is a, it is a good illustration for the effects of investing. You know, it does make it a compelling mm. story for the law of compounding interest and, I mean, all of us on this call are in a significantly different place than we would have been or could have been had we not chosen to invest. It's not mm -hmm. that our salaries have grown enormously, although we've experienced a good degree of luck and benefit there, but it's our investments. It's the fact that we bought buildings at blank and 10 years later, mortgage principal has been reduced and appraisals have gone up. So it is, a, it is really cool to see. Yeah. Like you're saying, we did this in the mastermind and we're kind of shifting people away from like, well, how much do I make to how much right. am I worth? Right. 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 Because that's the ultimate KPI. If you're talking about your financial freedom, the KPI is what am I worth? Not what do I make on a, on a, right. on a year? Yeah. And so the best ways for aggregate wealth, right. Net worth. And we go through those exercises, right. And, and, and Randy helped kind of with some of that. I agree, Greg. It's, it's, it is, this is a, this could be a, a shortcut to that. Yeah. And in many, I mean, not at the scale that it was just represented in the prior slide, but we've all experienced this type of growth because of investment. So they're just, they're making a really good and uh, a fair assumption on investment, although the returns might be a little inflated, but keep going. So this is just a summary. This page is just a summary. We're getting to the end of this document, the end of this pitch deck, essentially what it is. We've already gone through the compensation. Um, um, We've already gone through the consideration, which is the terms of the deal, the financing. Basically, they're saying like this transaction will be funded through a mix of DPO equity, co-investor equity, a modest amount of debt, and seller equity. Basically, what they're trying to say in this instance modest is, amount of debt. Yeah. Basically, you want to know how levered are you going to be in order to buy me? Because I, they put themselves in an over-leveraged situation to buy you, right? Massive amounts of debt. Then that's a that's a predicament. It's a what am I trying to say? That's a, that's a dangerous position for your rollover or your contingent payments, all the things after the cash at close is what I'm saying. This is the component that ended, that individual who put everything in yes. did not have clearly delineated yes. as to, you know, the same way you would evaluate having a partner join your practice, someone buy into your practice. 
is the same way you should evaluate the, you know, the, the individual who's buying you and you're still retaining equity because clearly you have a scenario here where they're saying a quote, modest amount of debt. Let me be very, very clear. Private equities are not putting money out, right? They are actually taking from their line of credit to buy your piece and they're moving on from there. That's all they're doing. That's how big what we're talking about here. Right. And so their modest amount to their whole portfolio. Yeah. It's a modest amount mm -hmm. of debt. But how leveraged they are and how they have to approve that and delineate that they're not at risk for you to potentially lose your equity or your, your stock becomes penny stock is the piece that was not properly evaluated before. And honestly, it's because most of us dentists don't know any different. We don't know anything. This is, I'm, a, I'm, a, I know a lot of people in particular, some people on this pod right now are not going to be a fan of a broker. This is where I think the broker can make their money be worth their money. Right. They have the ability to really evaluate, you know, more than one individual to buy you, see which one is the least leveraged versus others, those types of things. And this is the part where it really, I think the crux of it is in my personal opinion. Yeah. So you want to have someone, right, Dwight, like you're saying that you probably don't want to, you can't go, go through this alone. You need to have a deal doula or, yeah. or an iBanker banker or a broker. Right. preferably someone who's going to act as the advocate in your behalf. And they're going to earn, like you said, Dwight, they're going to earn that. Craig, what, what would you say the average rate is maybe five seven to 10%. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, on a so, broker on a broker. Yeah. I bankers probably aren't as much, but they may not have dental specificity. Um, right. yeah. but, but you know, there are, you know, people can use attorneys and things like that, but don't, yeah, you definitely at this level, you wouldn't go through it alone. You, you would need some, you would need no matter. Yeah. You would need someone who who's done this all day, every day kind of thing. Yep. The, in this instance, there's 150, 150 mile non-compete right there. <laughs> no, Did well, you, we moving countries to, yeah. <laughs> first of all, I'm just gonna, I'm jumping in. I'm sorry. I'm being too verbose, but I love this stuff and I read through it a lot, but I think in a city, a max you would ever see in a, in a high value, even higher value than this, an absolute max I have ever seen is 25 mm -hmm. in a rural, maybe 50, 150, right, the, 150 the, is dead on arrival. But and also it says, says future locations. Right. 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 Imagine. So you're like, okay, I'm 151 miles from your nearest location. I set up shop. I'm a three chair facility. I've gone back to becoming a dentist because I just want to spend my time there. I'm like, oh, we're really sorry to inform you. We're putting a location there in 2034. <laughs> well, Pack up and get the fuck yeah. out. <laughs> All right. You know, and this is, of course, like, right. They're trying to insulate their investment, basically saying you can't do dentistry unless it's for us for the next X amount of years. That's kind of what they're saying, right? Well, how many years is it, guys? It's a five year. It's a five year. Okay. The yeah. non-solicit is fine. The non-compete is just egregious. It's kind right. of a middle finger. Well, we all know about non-competes. They don't hold up for, for nothing. Yeah. So, but I'm sure this private equity has in-house attorneys. You really want to fuck with them? They just you know, make your life miserable. You up with attorney fees on your end? Agreed. Okay. So the, then it kind of is going to talk about like, we're going to do this and you're going to do this, right? Like basically the, the go forward roles, it's basically, they're just saying is our, our expectations the same, right? You're going to continue to do this. We're going to do this. Um, I'm just trying to break down this, this document yep. further guys. Yep. And then other key assumptions we're assuming in, for this offer, for this LOI, we're assuming practice owner that you are debt-free and cash-free. If you're not, that has to be paid before, before we take ownership. Um, it assumes that we are going to keep a average level of working capital. So if you have, in this instance, if the practice had an 
working balance of a half million dollars of working capital, that would be theirs at close. So you do not take the cash. You do not take your cash at close. Okay. They become your working capital. So they're taking. No, they be, they take custod custody. They take custody of your working bank, capital. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You hand over the keys to your bank account is right. what what they mean. Sure. Yeah. Real but estate. But you're going to get $107 million. Yeah. So, so what's a half a million bucks in cash? Okay. Nothing. Real estate basically saying that like that uh, the. The leases will be, if you, this person owned their buildings, they would be renegotiated to market lease. And then there would be some, there would be five years to the existing term and multiple tenant renewals. As we always talked about in real estate, renewal, the base rate is for them. The renewal options are for you, right? So, Correct. so people, they would probably, I've seen them where they say, Hey, we'll do a five-year base with four five-year options. Right. So that basically, essentially they're only on the hook for five years, but they get the option to have a 25 year lease. Yep. Okay. Employees and basically employees and benefits transitions, non-clinical staff will, will become employees of the DPO. Okay. Easy. And then the, this last thing is, I can't read it on my screen very well, but it's equity forfeiture. If you leave, if you leave this deal sooner than, you know, than five, five years, years, if you bail at year four, you forfeit your equity. That's psychopath. That's that, what? That, that that's psycholingo. First of all, no. That that's dead on arrival <laughs> deal. If you see this on there, this does not work, no matter what. Because why, this is Dwight? Their, because it says first of all, it says unfavorably. Okay, legally defined for me unfavorably. Mm -hmm. Legally defined for me any of this. You've got to get this striked. If you had a broker on this deal, like anybody would look at this and be like, you've got to remove this to make any sense of this, because if not, anybody can define a reason to make you exit with all due respect, everybody's going to be working in that fourth year, a way to kick you out. And so it has to be, there, there can be no equity forfeiture. This is stock and stock. <laughs> it is what it is. Reminds me of that movie office space. Remember when the, like the guy who was like, never really speaking, he's like, yeah, we're gonna have to move you to the basement. And he like blows the whole place up. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but, 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 but the stapler. Where's my stapler? <laughs> Miserable. But I mean, listen, Dwight, I mean, you're talking pretty harsh, but $108 million over 10 years. You know what it is over 30? <laughs> love it when you go into this mode, bro. $400 million. And All right. The 14th bite of the apple is seven. Well, where's the tax implications? Hold on. God dang it. No, it's really he's really itching for taxes. Dude, uh, no, but I just want to. I mean, just, where is all this shit you prepared, Bolton? Jeez. And and by the way, it's probably that was my favorite. It's probably not such a bad deal. Hundred eight million over ten years. Okay, so this is just a very simple. I kind of just done, did some some tax napkin tax things just just so we could illustrate the point of EBITDA that you already own versus the cash flow you will get potentially. Okay, so. In this instance, actually, they I do know for a fact that they raised the cash offer to 20. Okay. So I put that in the model. And then so if you're if your cash at close is 20, you're gonna have a four million dollar capital gains. Capital gains tax. from the federal government. You're gonna have about a 1.15 from the state, and it differs per state. So landed in your account post post money, post tax would be 14.8. Okay. In today's market where we have no risk essentially treasury bills, right? I know we assume a 4% yield. That's a little anemic, but yeah. Okay. All right. Just assuming a little that, bit right? higher. Okay, fine. If we take it, let's take it. You could even take it to seven. I can't control this document right now. I would but, say not uh, higher than five. Yeah. Five is fine, but, but whatever. But Craig, but you get, but at this phase, and I know this for a fact, 
you start getting into an abundant phase versus now you're just in a conservation phase. Once that money and you're thinking that's all the money I'm going to get. So you're not willing to risk it like you think you do now, bud. You're not in that abundant. I no, I know. It's, it's, you're it's going to say, give me a bunch of treasury bills at 4% because I can't afford to lose this. Right. I have no second act yeah. in this dentistry. Great perspective. Great Thank perspective. you. And by Thank the way, great. never mind the scarcity of the return and the risk of risk of ca- or the fear of capital loss. Every time you go on a vacation, you're actually not just spending the money, you're spending the money that the money earns for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's not it's not that you make decisions about how risky you're going to be. It's that- but you thought you had a conundrum where you were gone from the operatory on vacation and weren't, you know, I can't leave the practice and can't take vacation because who's going to do the dentistry? Now you're like, I can't take vacation because who's going to earn the yield on the money that I would have spent on vacation? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the biggest kick is when you don't have cash coming in, you're very you're not inclined to want to spend any principal. Okay. Yep. So again, but look, this model six, seven hundred grand a year. Just okay. So can you say the rest of those grand. numbers for people who are listening and not watching? Yes. So landed that would be fourteen point eight at a four percent yield of fourteen point eight, that would be five hundred and ninety-four thousand dollars a year. Okay. Again, this assumes no basis of the money. So basis basically means like if you had ten million dollars of 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 debt or something you're not getting taxed on that aggregate amount okay my point my point of doing and that was very napkin back in the napkin math guys but my point this is is you not paying off debt right yeah this is this is this was you assuming you had zero debt on the practice assuming no debt service which is which probably something of this size like that's probably improbable you probably use some leverage to grow this yeah so but then you have to also assume you've lost the tax advantages of owning your own business and that four or five percent yield on 14.8 is taxed ordinary income as well. So now wait, wait, you say that again, Craig. So it's also, you know, now you don't operate a business. So you've lost any tax advantages of your own business oh, 100%. and your and your, your W two, but the earnings, your path, the money on your earnings is ordinary income. Hundred so percent. Your yield. So you're saying, right? You're saying your is, yield on your bonds. Yeah. Are, so what Randy always likes to say is like, when you're a business owner, you earn, you invest in your business, and then you pay tax on what's left over. When you're not a business owner, you earn, you pay tax, and then you invest what's left over from that. Mm. So it's it's just you lose a lot of tax efficiency. Mm. But still, so, we're talking about ridiculously high numbers. But for the average practice, the average person. You really have to calculate whether or not it's worth it. If you're, if you're, if you love your work and you love your business and you feel like it's going to grow well and you can't make more money on it passively as an, to sell the asset, it's worth it to keep it. Can you help me say that in a more clear way? Yeah. So the mind? multiple, it basically is just an extension. What you're saying is like, look, in 10 years, you would have the same amount of money that they're going to give you. Right. And you could walk away from the practice. In that situation. Yes. But. Not the part, the, becomes, the part that becomes compelling is the bites of the apple. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. And so, in this scenario, this this practice was going to be the platform of the DSO. Which, if it worked, it was going to work really well. But it, but that's the highest risk scenario because the DSO could fold. Um, my point is is basically in this scenario, kind of showing the tax implications, is that you become you shift into, I got a check, and now I need to get yield from that check. And you go into conservation mode because your life is now, and also your life may have been, your lifestyle could go down significantly. In this instance, we said the EBITDA was around three and a half million dollars, right? Which is quite different from a cash flow perspective, abundantly vacations, investments, than the $600,000 of yield, which is still a tremendous amount of money. I say this to you guys 
Ready for the bombshell? Because this was ours. This was an actual live deal that I got. Hmm. So this whole don't sell mentality that we've gone through is not bullshit. This was a real offer that was delivered to our group. And, and, and in all light of all this, going through all these permutations, all these emotional things I talked about, um, it still didn't make sense. Yeah. Because I didn't want to lose control of the practice. I believed in the partners. I believed in the direction. And I believed that we weren't plateauing revenues. And I also knew that at the end of the day, I was going to be highly unfulfilled working for someone else for the next five years. For where and you not, were. not having control. So, so, were my, so were my partner doctors, right? So as a group, we decided it was as great of an offer as it was. We felt like there was too much to risk, too much upside, and we were not going to be as happy as we currently are. I like your vulnerability, Pete. I think that each of us should all do Dude, deal I, and bring it to the table and show ourselves to be the type of people who are going to continue to break this down. Cause I mean, I see things now through it then, especially. Well, I actually you. heard, wait, thank you for that. Thank you for that compliment. I don't want to let that be lost. Yeah. I hemmed and hauled about actually disclosing this because this podcast is, is very large now, as you guys know, it's grown. And so a lot of people are going to hear this. Uh, you know, I'm not disclosing the private equity group on that, obviously, but, um, but I appreciate that. We had a comment once on YouTube or somewhere. I don't know where it was, Craig, and you'll remember this. Where it basically was like, yeah, I remember that. hey, Bolden and Craig talk about money a lot, but like, we don't even know if their practices make any money kind of thing. They never talk about finance. No, they never it's like, why don't they disclose it? Why don't they why disclose don't they it? Disclose? And I was like, okay, like that's fair. But part of like, part of that thing, how we started the podcast, Dwight, is like two ways in the snow. I didn't ever want something like this to be looking like a braggadocious thing. Like, look what I got and you did, you know, but it also, so I think it also puts people off, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the relevance of to the, you know, listen, what, what Pete's built. And I think what all of you guys have built, I guess all of us have built is something that's like really at a very, it's very rare for dentists to get that up. It's just rare. We're in rare air. And I don't want people to look at that and be like, oh, damn it. I can't listen to this. Or like, I can't, I can't relate to it. So my fear, because I've, I've been to that altar three times. And one time was, you know, th these guys with what Pete was talking about. But before that, we were even closer, Pete, to that other deal. That was closer. Mm -hmm. And it was a great exercise to go through because it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I woke, I woke up and wrote an email at three in the morning. And it was the most clear I've ever felt. And I was so sure. And the person that was trying to buy us, who's an iconic dental business person. And Peter and I think this guy, think the world of this guy, he's going to change dentistry. I, I literally, he said to us, like, name your number. And Peter and I both never named the number because we knew there was a really good chance that if he said, if we would have said, okay, pay us blank, there's a good chance he would have said, okay. So we actually never responded to him because we didn't, we were so, for me personally, it felt like a death, like my identity, my purpose, but knowing that you have the optionality mm -hmm. that you're worth something that there's, that you don't have just a single track to run on, knowing that you can have the freedom of direction for your future is just the most beautiful thing ever. Because like what you should really do in life is you, is you, you should work as if you don't have to. And that's what this exercise does for you. Or a net worth analysis to say, okay, wow, I make blank passively because you built a money machine and you invested. 
and then you realize I only work because I want to, and that's the most beautiful place that you can get to. And I, you know, Craig, I that was awesome. Comment. That was awesome, Craig. Yeah, I want to challenge so it a little. I want to challenge it a little. Okay. I love it because that's exactly what I believed. But you said there's no number. I think freedom. Well, is right. there was no number for that situation. I do think at some point in time, though, there's a number in which of course direction gets transitioned. Of course, make sure there's a well. Gap. Well, no, there there wasn't for me at that particular moment, though, Dwight. There was not, and I really believe I called Pete, and it was late at night, and I'm like, Pete, do you want to say your number? He's like, No, I don't. And we, I think we could have got it. The the deal that was transacted that we would been part of within reason, Dwight. Right? Like we knew there was there was parameters. Give me one billion, one billion, I'll do it. You know? No, but it was it was flexible. Hundred million. Right, 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 right. No, but but I mean within reason. Seventy million, seventy-five. I mean, this is where trade. I I don't know. I don't know, Dwight. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be, you know, like listen beyond. Like there's three orders of wealth. There's like being able to pay your bills. There's being able to pay your bills and have the freedom to pay your bills. And then there's probably like, I could, within reason, I can go to any restaurant I want to and never have to think about it and that type of thing. And then like, I could travel how I want or where I want, maybe not how I want. And then beyond that, there is a law of diminishing returns. And I think we in, in Western, in America, particularly like we're, we're not living as well as others are living. We're not as happy. And I, I have all these wealthy friends that are super stressed out about money and I mean, there's legacy and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you have to be happy as well. Oh, and with this particular and instance, that's the test where the rubber hits the road, Craig, you're saying like, you got, you like, you got put in a scenario where you have to like, okay, I backs up yeah. against the wall. What's the choice? And, and the consequences well, me, were not worth it for you. The deepest part of it was like, okay, am I being responsible for my family? Mm-hmm. All it came down to is a selfish thing. It was like, is this imprudent for my family? I'm being irresponsible because I love my life. Not going, you know, thank God. But am I being irresponsible to my children right. without this money? Because right. if everything unzipped and I got hit by a bus, I don't know if the transaction would be as clean as this was going to be. And then I what, chose myself, actually. Let me ask like, you this from the standpoint, Craig, you're a good person to ask this of, but and, and this pivots a little bit from this conversation. But now that you've seen a number, any number, whether it be Pete's deal or, you know, deal you've seen in the past, how do you how how has that changed your paradigm of what your goal is moving forward to build to hold what do you how do you think differently now that you've seen it good question um so are you asking like tactically or philosophically both let's start so with tactically ta- tactically i mean growing right now because i'm not making like if i look at the numbers of the investment to grow my building and my practice right now it doesn't purely make sense from that from the straight line math to spend X millions of dollars to expect a growth of X return. But I do believe retail businesses are either like we always say, either coasting or dying or growing. So I'd rather grow than die. And I believe there'll be numerous uh, implications to the investment in the practice to keep it going forward. Philosophically, it lets me know that all the work, because when you're a dentist or a, a W-2 worker, an employee of your own practice, all you see is the dollars you make. And those are the worst possible dollars. Like the the Scott Galloway's of the world who we've had on the podcast, they never made more than 120,000 in W-2 earnings before in his life. But yet the guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And what I mean by that is that the passive growth of our assets is what really frees us up. So philosophically seeing a number and knowing that as long as I grow, and even if multiples contract, it could be 20, 30% up or below that number, it gives you a sense of confidence or a sense of resilience 
that your business is not going to be flushed away. And as Randy always says, the minute you transact, you look at the money for a couple of days in your bank account and you're saying, holy shit, I can't believe there's all that money. And then you realize two things. One, I have to deploy that money because it's like holding melting ice. And, and two, the money, the money was there all along. I always had it. I always had it. So does it desensitize you, you to a number? Do you now look at it and go, well, 10x, you know, 30 million? I mean, like, that's the thing about money. 12x and you went to 50 million. Well, that's the thing about money. Like, you know, I I can still remember thinking to myself, if I could just make $180,000 a year, if I could just make this, if I could just make that, and then you make that. And I think that now what if, I'd like and to do. If, then I will be, right? Like, yeah, if I can do then that, then I will be happy. If I will, then I will be successful, right? Is that what you're saying? And that, like, and that, that. yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. But now where I'm at is like the things, money's not as, a, and I, I hate to say it, but it's just, it's just a life cycle, you know, at 52 years old and being at this for 25 years and investing and all that stuff. It's just not the driving factor. It's like that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When you have no money, it is an existential problem. You can't fucking pay your bills. There's no more clear and present problem than money. And then it's just the next level. Once you have money, you want this or that. Or maybe some people just love the game of making money. But I do reference like Naval Ravikant in his book, The Almanac. And what he said, and I actually said it to Patrick Bet David a week ago while he's in the, in the office. And I said to him, like, you know, like for me, I'm just kind of, I appreciate what you're doing. You're trying to change the world and you're gunning. He's trying to, you know, turn, you know, he's trying to turn his empire into something larger. But Naval said it best. Naval said, in order to become wealthy, you have you have to be this type A gunner where you're constantly trying to turn, you know, 10 cents into a dollar fifty. You're taking radical risks and you're trying to change chase the the inertia to break the inertia to make money. And then he says at a certain point when you become wealthy, you're supposed to softly transition to a monk. You know, so you have this mm -hmm. gunner personality for the first half of your life. And yeah. um, so it's, and I do believe that for most people, what got them here, if they keep employing those tactics throughout their life and throughout their net worth growth, they become singular, dimensional, become a little too aggressive. I don't know. I mean, that's just my bias too. And when I said that to Patrick, Patrick's like, hey, listen, that's your bias because, you know, I want to change the world. And Tony's the same way. Like, well, you know, I, I wish Tony would have a beer and go to the beach and chill. And I say that to his wife sometimes. I'm like, I wish Tony would chill. And she's like, that's just your biases because his 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 meaning of existence is to radically transform and spread yeah. his gifts to the world. And for a guys like me, that makes me feel like, oh, damn, it maybe highlights my own shortcomings and it's the softener that I use. But for me personally, I know that was a long-winded answer. I am content and I don't want to trade too much more energy for turning those dimes into dollars i'd rather turn my dollars into a dollar ten and there's a time for big gambles and rolling the dice and pushing all your chips forward and that's not the time for me now i have enough capital to make passive on my capital i don't want to go through that bellyache <clears throat> and heartache personally here's why i love you guys <laughs> Super segue. I'm listening to you talk. It was Trey I was listening to you talk, Dwight. Like, and I was trying to quickly do math. Over 85 years of dental experience on this podcast, right? Totally different trajectories to get here. Somewhat always kind of agreeing on things, you know, plus or minus 20%. Yeah. But but directionally, we're the same. Yeah. And our thesis is really to to help people. Because we have stood on on the shoulders of giants before all of us have mentors, even sure. even even we have become mentors to each other. 
And so I love this as I'm looking at it from the context of other dental podcasts or other business podcasts or something. And I just really love the, the, the value add because it's not Trey plus Dwight plus Craig equals the mix. It's, it's the exponential thing. And so I don't know if, if you guys got a lot of value from this, listening to this, um, I did. I mean, I just love hearing y'all's, y'all's perspective and, you know. Yeah, but post, post some comments. We love those. So we know. And one other thing too, just to add on a Pete and then Dwight, I want, I want you to speak because I could tell you, you want to say something and I want you to say something. What, one thing is, is it's a little bit of a knock on some others. We've all done it. I've seen Dwight's operation. It's truly impressive. I've seen Trey's operation. Truly impressive. Pete, I just got back from your place yesterday with your corporate office and all that. You've all, we've all done it. Is it truly impressive? Or it's you, you just over that. We've, we've all done it. No, <laughs> it doesn't need a little work. Yeah. It does need the a little work. The amount of desk space is truly impressive. If there were bodies <laughs> at the desks, it would be amazing. But but it doesn't hey, matter. Build all for the practice you want, not for the one you have, buddy. Amen. No, but I'm Thank just saying like, there's a lot of people with a microphone that have never done it. And it just that just always rubs me the wrong way. But but anyway, Dwight, bring us to something. Bring us home. I think I think this is a we have the luxury being in a beautiful time and being in a beautiful industry and profession. And at the end of the day, you can get offered a lot of things, but it's very personal. And to be able to stand up front in the driver's seat and decide what's best for you and your family and your time in life, right? We know some incredible human beings, right? Even, you know, Scott Galloway, you're quoting him, but the way he's made all his money is through private equity sales, right? <laughs> Clearly the, uh, you know, there are some massive individuals that have been on the podcast lately, even out of here in Texas, right? Who've just sold out, you know, that are, that are moving to other things in their life. Um, and that's okay. Mark Costas, great mm -hmm. example of that. Right. Uh, and he's sold, you know, multiple practices over a series of times. And now his focus is on other things. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to talk about the, the expanse and the direction of your own personal happiness, there is a transition between the speed at which you're running and the rate and the methodology, how you're running your business and what you're spending your time on in the first half of life and how your crystallized intelligence transitions to the second half of life. And I do think that a lot of us get the honor of being able to say, well, maybe if you weren't teaching and training and masterminding and running podcasts and being affiliated with different things at this stage in your practice, would you get as much out of it? And kind of owning a practice is kind of like the, the lab that we get to play in while we're also getting to do some of this. I think there's, it's multifactorial, but it's very personal. And there's a lot of individuals who are listening to this, who are seeing this deal and they're like, yeah, I will reinvest that into other businesses and do different things. But at the end of the day, it's personal. And what I love is that we're pointing out the pitfalls. We're pointing out what to look out for because our industry deserves better, right? There's a lot that's well, on you the chase the Everyone chases the rabbit of the bag of coins at the end of the rainbow, right? Correct. And so what Craig is saying is that when you get to the bag of the and you see the coins and you're like, all right, then immediately your mind goes to what after this though? Right. And so what he's saying, and a dangerous I place, with, by the way. it's a dangerous place to be is, like, is chase your purpose. Do right. not chase the dollar figure, right. chase that area of fulfillment where you're going to end there up. There you go. And, and also the stage you're at too. So but I want, I want to be to honest with you, there, there's a good, there's a good chance that a lot of us would end up in a deal that looks something like this and higher at some point in time where the timing might work. 
Right. No, yeah, yeah, of course, Dwight. And that's how I started that is like, just yeah. know where you are and, and right. just face all this head on knowing that like, hey, I need a second form of fulfillment after I check out and after I sell. Yeah, what are you going to do? Gonna that's a very important thing. And how am I going to get yield? And and what's my obligations? It's really, this was just educational so that it, it just brings okay. awareness to the space right. so that people but, don't get caught with their, you know, pants down. But so chase your purpose. And that, that's right. what I love. And, and if you're going to sell your business too, Dwight, you have to figure out what are you going to do? Because next, because I see all these friends of mine, they have to do something. And there's an 80 year study that was just done a couple of years ago from Harvard. And it talked about, and I know, you know, my stain for Harvard. So I'm expecting you to, to rag on me for this one, but talked about overall wellness, physical health, mental health yeah. with social connection. And I know for many of us that are cutting crowns five days a week for 20 years and haven't taken a week off. It must be nice to, to be able to say this, but if you could take off a little bit of time and maybe that's the move for you to do. So you don't have to swing yes. this. Well, we've, we've said this many, yeah. many times, but for those that haven't heard it yet, don't make a long-term decision from an emotional standpoint. I don't care how bad it is. Your practice could survive two or three weeks without you being there. It won't disappear. And once you're alone for three or four weeks, the sipping champagne on the beach can get old real quick. What, what I want to be focused on though, is that we're talking about ourselves and the majority of individuals who get these deals, who are answering the emails, it's because they hate their team. They hate their business. They hate their right, life. Right. And I'm going to throw it to Costas, by the way, too. I have tremendous respect for Costas as a, as a dental educator. His practices were never what the four of us were. And it would have been a different situation to sell something that it was, I don't know if his practices were a reflection of his, he got distracted in a good way because he was, he, he started his podcast and lecturing and all that. We, we started this after completing our practices. So that, you know, we built our practices, we, we built them to the way we wanted it, produced the way we wanted to. And then we started to speak about it. But he, his he was purpose kind of is in to... a foundation and he right. wants to work yeah. in charitable work Good. for the rest of his life. Sure. And that is a transition. And there's a lot of ways. We just can't define yep. what is an appropriate purpose for anybody. And I think that's what we should stay away from. Right. And purpose and is you huge. can make your practice and, work and, for yeah. you too. Yeah. So, Timing plays I mean, there's, there's stats that go over this, even for dentistry. Did he just later. He just froze. He's coming back to us. There he is. There he is. Saying that there's stats on the retirement. If you don't have a next purpose to get yourself out of bed in the morning, absolutely, you retire, and then five years later you die. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Right. And so purpose is not just like hey, warm fuzzy. It's actually incumbent upon you for longevity. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that one day, if I ever sell anything in dentistry, I will probably open another business within the next year. It may of not be industry, right? It would be that's your hobby, other businesses that I've done. That's just who we are. But it, everybody's purpose is different. We have the luxury of that in this profession. People ask me all the time, Dwight. They ask like, what do you like to do for fun? I'm like, well, my hobbies, like I kiteboard and I do business. Like business yeah. is a hobby. I enjoy, I enjoy the process of it, right? right? It's not just running and kiteboarding and playing with my kids. It's business too. I enjoy that. Yeah, that's the one of the most fulfilling areas of my whole life. Although, um, all right, guys, we are, career, we are I'm selling something that people want. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Sex, yeah, yeah. drugs, need. music, something where someone comes to me and goes, Can I have some of that? That's what I want. <laughs> oh, you want to get in that business? What you're saying? No, one, no one's come to me and be like, You know what? I'm on a two inch needle in my face. Yeah, what do I need? You need to buy liquor stores then, Trey. I know that's exactly right. That's good good financial storage units, you know. Um, all right, guys, we're at 120. 
it's a long pod. We are in, obviously in long format pods right now. Uh, so we are. And, uh, you know, if you haven't been exposed to the summit by now, by God, land on the damn bulletproofsummit.com page and hit a last minute ticket. This one's going to rock for sure. We've got some great speakers. It's going to be fun. The energy in Send Vegas your team. Send is your always, team. uh, so, you know, by now, if you haven't done it then, you know, I don't know what to say, but no, do it, do it. It's not too late. Do it. Um, and, uh, that's it guys. A beautiful day here. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the day. Trey, I got, as I sent you pictures from my, my land today, I was on my land walking with my 50 pound ruck pack, my vest train. I train. I have a, a text challenge. He's getting his, and he's been taunting me, dude, why can't the two and a half miles? So today I sent him a picture of two and a half miles with a 50 pound. Pack. That a boy. That a he was boy. laying down when he sent it. I feel like, I feel like train. I, I feel like Trey and I are going to kill each other. That's it, possible. In like, in like a, in like two months, it's going to be like, well, I did 10 miles. I'm just going to, I'm just going to pass out, die on one of these. Cause I don't want to lose to him. Well, I yeah, know what you did on your bike. Yeah, I'm going to jump out too. I call dibs. I'm like, how much for that practice? Okay, with his gone, I think it's a lesser value. Well, well Pete's gone, so I'm calling discount on this. Yeah. Absolutely. Calling dis- yeah, I'm calling, I'm calling 75% haircut on this one. Absolutely. All right, guys. Enjoyed it. Over and out. Thank you all. Thanks, Peter.